The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Are we ready to go? All right. Well, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to join me in one of the most familiar passages among all Christendom, John 3 and 16 through 18. We've had a pretty eventful week as our one of our first full weeks in actual functionality. Uh, you're not functioning until you find your toothbrush, your hairbrush, you know, just some basics. Well, we've been watching Louisiana Law, or we're watching Louisiana Law before we came down here, and there was one of the game wardens that I was really impressed with. His name was Sergeant Dupree. And so me and the boys were watching, you know, kind of learning what the game wardens are looking for here, what we could get away with, you know, the drill. And uh, I was like, boys, y'all might meet him one day. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, We went into the Super One Foods there in Franklin, and there he was. And my boys looked like they had just seen Clint Eastwood. They've never seen any one person they've seen on TV. So I went, shook his hand, and talked to him a little bit, told him who we were, why he wanted to know why we were here. And I was like, well, you folks got it made. And he goes, no, we think you had it made. It's just funny. Grass is always greener on the other side, right? Well, uh, he, was, he had just gotten off shift, and he was telling us he was picking groceries up for his wife. And so we got back in the truck and said, boy, did you hear that? Game warden's off duty. Let's go fishing. So we may have had in it, and I've invested in the state of Louisiana officially. Um, I didn't know it, but uh, those four signs that say no U-turn out here, they take that pretty seriously. Uh, we were following Siri, and if Siri says do it right, that's the right directions. And so it told us, to, she, the English woman in my phone, told me to make a U-turn. Well, I made that U-turn, swung in for a biscuit there at McDonald's, and there he was. Them blue lights were just a-blazing. I got out, and I was like, hello, officer. I was like, he's just wanting me to welcome me to town. I had no idea what I'd done, because if Siri said that, I was like, them, them signs don't matter. <laughs> well, we pulled in there, and he's by hand, he goes, do you know what you did? And I was like, no, sir. And uh, apparently he wasn't going to welcome me to town. Well, he did welcome me to town with a little letter, a little receipt thing he printed out of a little box. And, um, and he, I said, sir, what, 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 what to do? <laughs> you know, and he told me what I'd done. And I said, well, Siri told me, you know, I could you turn there. And he goes, is that who you're going to let run your life? <laughs> well, no, sir. And he goes, well, did you see the four signs? Because there was only two, and people were complaining. So I had two more put up. Did you see those four right there, right there, right there, and right there? I felt like the biggest dummy in the world. And I said, sir, I'm so sorry. And he goes, you know what? You've been a pretty nice guy. I'm going to cut you a break. And I thought, all right. He is going to welcome me. No, $300 was a break. Um, anyway, that's what I'm told. So, hey, lesson learned. If there's a no U-turn sign, just follow the instructions. And it's so in life. There's so many voices that come into our lives. Folks, we've got the instructions. It's pretty simple. Well, if you have your Bible and you're ready to go, say amen. We've uh, shipped our boys back to Fort Smith for a little homeschool event that we had um, promised they could go to before we moved down. So as a father, I would always encourage you guys, no matter what it costs, keep your word. Um, If you want your sons to be honorable men, your daughters to be honorable women, if you tell your kids something, see it come to pass. Right on? All right, John 3, 16, but I can tell you mom and daddy's missing the babies. 
I didn't know how much I liked them boys till I don't see them in the morning. And so it's kind of caused us to process them moving out of the house. And, huh, I could see why it's so difficult. I'm only on like day three. Day three. Anyway, okay, John 3. I'm having to do a lot more when they're not home too. Anyway, John three sixteen. If you found, found it in God's Word, say amen. And I'm going to ask you to stand out of recognition in respect for his infallible word that serves as a final authority in all matters of faith and practice. We didn't assemble this morning for each other's opinions. We assembled this morning to make much of who God is, who he's always been, and who will always be. And it says in God's word, John three sixteen, it says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son. Now there's two ways, folks. I think we should know enough about context to project a bit of personality in the text so there's a couple ways you could read this for god loved the world in this way he gave us one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish is that exciting now here's the way here's the passion for god loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God by the name of Jesus. Come on now. Name of Jesus. Y'all gonna have to get used to this. Now let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this morning, the opportunity we have and this precious sacred assembly. Not in a temple, not in a sanctuary, but in a building built by hands to your glory and to your honor. That the Spirit of the living God dwells inside every one of us. We are the sanctuary. And Lord, as you prepare your church in this world for your return, I pray we anxiously await it with the utmost anticipation for the revelation of your glory. May our lives show the love that you communicate, the promises you teach in this passage, that it would not be a mundane, commonplace verse, but it would be the the vibrancy of our life, the energy of our song, the joy in our step, and the peace in our days. And we'll give you the glory and the honor when these things have come to pass. In the name of the one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You be seated. One first look, for God loved, number one, we're going to see the proof of his love. You know, this morning he's going to, we're going to look at how he proved his love. And I would just ask, if you were to say, most of us say, well, I love God. I would ask, just look what he, God says, not only did I love you, but I loved you in this way. There was a way you can prove, a way you can see, a way you can feel, a way you can read about that I loved you. And we're, we're known, right? As Christians, we love God. But I would ask you, what is the proof this morning of your love? It said, God loved the world in this way. And it was a very specific way. And it was the most valuable thing God had to give. So this morning, as a church, as a group of people, as people in a community, as husbands, wives, teaching our children... When we say we love God, if you were to finish that sentence again, I love God in this way. And I would say, why? Because, friend, we've been trained 
to respond to commands without a passion for his person. His commands are for our benefit, just like those signs were for my safety. But we justify listening to so many voices that we know are not the 100% true. If you believe God's word is true and error from beginning to end, say amen. So there, there's no compromise. There's no negotiation. And any time we negotiate with God, well, God, I know you said don't do that, but I think it's okay for me. I think I have the discipline. I think I have the courage. I think I have the strength. Well, Lord, do you really know the situation I'm in? And have you ever heard someone say, well, I know it wasn't right, but... Well, that ought to stop us dead in the tracks, right? Because here's what's happened. If God is God, right, and we're under his lordship and his deity, any time we negotiate, any time we compromise, what is actually happening in our hearts and minds is we're elevating ourselves to a position of equality with the King of kings and Lord of lords, which he will not honor, nor will he bless or grant favor to such a circumstance. Does that make sense? So we as his people have got to understand that what he says is right and true. And it is not to me. I was not there when he created the expanses of the universe. Were you? Were you there that he consulted with in the creation of the earth? No, he did that all out of his power, his majesty, his splendor. And I have got to, as his child, as his saint, come under that authority. And I cannot see his word through the lens of this world. This world is not my interpreter of his truth. His truth is my interpreter for the world. Does that make sense? Again, let me, I'm going to ask one of the hardest questions philosophically I've ever been asked. And I may have said this already, but this is very important to the worldview. Does God do right or is whatever God does right? Now think about that. For me to say God does right is for me to be the definer of what righteousness is. If God does right, then I'm quantifying, I'm qualifying righteousness. But if whatever God does is right, then God is righteous. Does that make sense? So we put ourselves in a place when we do not believe what God has done, we don't like what he's doing, we think it's unfair or unkind or unfavorable, and we say, well, God, I don't agree with that, I don't like it, I think it's unfair, and I don't think you're right. Oh, when you say you don't think God is right, what you're saying is you would do a better job in governing the expanses of the universe. You would do a better job in loving and forgiving than he has done. So God doesn't do right. Whatever God does is right. You understand that? Say amen. All right, so we can go on with that one. I think you got it. You're looking at me okay. All right, let's keep going. So when we look at the proof of love and we say, okay, how do we prove that we love God? If you love me, you will keep my commands. He told you how to love him. So friend, I'd ask, are you keeping his commands? Well, Eric, I think God understands, and this is the excuse I've heard. God is a merciful, gracious God, and he does understand, yes. But friend... Do you think he understands the point where he allows you an exemption from his commands? Well, he knows money is tight. 
He knows my budget's stretched. Is that his problem? Or is that your management issue? Friend, you can't mismanage yourself out of faithfulness. That's not an excuse for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he says that, and now I've also heard this one, and I caution you here. <laughs> we had one lady. She's passed away, went on to be the Lord. Um, but she told me one Sunday, I was teaching on tithing, and she caught me after church. She goes, Pastor, you won't believe this. I bought a lottery ticket for $5, and the next day I won $50. The Lord is just favoring me for being faithful. She goes, what do you think? I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But friend, I would discourage the lottery tickets, right? I mean, that's pretty commonplace. And she says, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> okay. There's some things you just back away from, right? If she was having her moment, didn't want to take it from her. But we often say, well, I, I want to give so that God will... Bless. Now hold on. Hold on to that statement. Do you realize how humanistic that is? I give so that I can get. Rather than I give because he's worth it. At what point does the church align under his power and authority and say, you are God. We are not. Keep going. So the proof of, where's the proof of your love? Is it how you live? Is it how you treat others? Is it how much you give and, and serve his cause and the Great Commission? I would just ask, where's the proof of our love for him? Next, I'm at 1142. Hope you all ain't got no plans. There's four points to this, baby. <laughs> and number two, the pain of his love. For God, so, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only by the name of... Well, John 1.1 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And we're going to address this next week it, with the statement, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What did that mean? What was the depth of that statement? And why did Jesus choose those words in his final moments? We'll look at that next week. And then, of course, the glorious resurrection. But God and Jesus, Father and Son, had been together in eternity past. I can just tell you, just having a relationship with my two sons, it would be devastating to let them go and surrender them to pain for any capacity or any reason. So there's more in that statement Jesus said that we'll look at next week. But that's the pain of his love, friend. In this world, it's painful. It's unfair. We got a call. We raise dogs, Dobermans. Um, just love them smart. They're really nice unless you come in our yard and you're not welcome. And then uh, you better roam for the hills, right? Well, we got a call one day and someone asked us if we wanted to rescue one. Well, her name is Leah. And um, I went to pick her up. And the gentleman that, that had her was screaming profanity. And the little dog, it wasn't a little dog, was scared to death. And when I approached it, it was the most angry, hurt, scared animal I've ever been around. And uh, as I'm getting older, I'm getting kind of soft, I'll just tell you. Well, I thought, well, we're going to help her. And I went to put her in a pen. Uh, I'm not going to do that. So I was like, sir, could you just, the, it was a son. Could you put her in that pen? And I had to happen to have some two-by-fours in my truck. And we had to put two-by-fours in the pen and stay away. Because I thought she was going to tear through that thing and eat us alive. So we put her in the back of the truck. And you couldn't even look over the side of the truck without her flipping out. 
I thought, oh my goodness. Oh, what am I going to do with this dog? So we got her home. She, we set her out in the yard two or three days in that little pen until I could even get close to her. And finally, I was like, we're going to have to put her in a pen. So we put her in the shed, put a chain link fence up, let her out. And that dog literally grabbed that chain link and tore, I've never seen a dog, tore that chain link. Boom! She was gone. Well, now I've got to put the neighborhood on watch, right? I mean, there's a stray doberman that could eat small children. Well, we'd see her out the highway. We'd see her down the road. And it just broke my heart. All I was wanting to do is love on this little dog. But all that dog had known was pain, was abuse. Well, we had noticed we had her dog, her, we had put some food there before she ran off, and we noticed that food was gone. So at some point, she had come back, and she was smart. Well, one day, Jeanette hollered at me and goes, Lay us at the driveway. Our driveway is, I don't know, a couple hundred yards long, and there that dog stood, just watching us. She wanted to be a part of a family so bad, but she had been hurt so bad. Well, I said, hi, Jeanette, I, I know she's hungry. Um, I just went out and I laid in the yard. I think it took me six hours. I was like, hey, girl, come here. And she got closer and she lay down. Get closer and lay down. She's scared to death, but still knew the value of love. Wanted to be loved and wanted to love. I could see it in her eyes. Well, I was laying there. I just lay there. I kept talking to her, and I had some treats. I'd throw at her. She'd pick them up, and then she lay back down. And I just inched her closer. And I reached out my hand, and finally she took that treat, and she just melted. She went down and just laid right beside me. <laughs> you know, life's painful, right? God wants to love you. And what he wants to do for you is show you love, acceptance, embrace and hold you in your pain. But we're so hurt and wounded that there's a wall, there's a barrier there. She was mean. And she may, I've got a little scar here. She turned on me once, but I couldn't do nothing to her because I knew she'd been hurt. God loves you knowing you're probably going to bite back at some point. But I just encourage you to quit running, quit hiding, quit sneaking into church to get fed every once in a while. Embrace the family and the love that he's offered you. There's a pain. There's a risk in love. Let's go on to number three, the pursuit of his love. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He's, he's going to do that one day. Do you understand? I mean, if you're a Christian, you're free. Your sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. Amen? We also got to remember and consider this text. I've heard people say, well, there's, there's no tears in heaven. There's no pain. We won't give an account. Well, Paul says we'll give an account for every deed done in the flesh. Well, how does that happen? Well, in Revelations, it says that Jesus will wipe away every tear. When's that going to happen? There. Don't think. Don't think as a believer you won't give an account. I will give an account. And so will you. And at that moment when whatever, if it's a TV screen or Jesus tells the story right, whatever is done in the secret will be brought to the rooftops. Friend, there is an accountability for the saint. 
And at that point, when I see His glory, and I see His splendor, and I stand before the saints of old, and He calls my name to stand before His great throne, and He, he reads my life, and then asks, why was I not worth more to you? In His presence, in that glory, yeah, there'll be a tear. Because I see now all those times I took for granted, all those times I ran, all those times I hid, all those times I negotiated. He just loved me. And then he will say, it's okay. I understand the world you live in was hurt and broken. I understand. But stop. Right? Stop. Let's keep going. So it says... Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. And friend, I didn't make that up. Don't be upset with me. But apart from Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. There is no hope. This is the, anyone who believes in him will not be condemned, but is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the Father, the only Son of God. So that, you got the pursuit. And I would tell you, we're going to be real short with this one. Friend, he pursued you. Now, I think we make way too much of the human condition and not enough of God's glory. But God sovereignly knew. And a lot of people have asked me, Eric, why did God create us in the beginning in a perfect world knowing we would sin? Is, is then God not responsible for sin? Well, you know what? Me and Jeanette got married and then we decided to get a dog. Guys, if you're newly wet, get a dog. It buys you a few years, right? Now, kids are great. Then it time, come time for kids, and then I remembered being a teenager. Wow. Um, and I thought, boy, I don't want my kids doing that stuff. But you know what? It didn't keep us from having them. I love them two little monkeys more than I ever. I got three, two boys that I know is going to be daddy, which is bad news. And one little princess is going to be mama, which is badder news. <laughs> I don't know, is batter a word? You'll notice I make up a few words. Um, they'll be legit here in a few years. Just watch. And I'm going to get on number four, the product of his love. Man, I forgot to love the world to make it right. Now let's go back. God created us. Now catch this, in the Garden of Eden, all this depression, all this anxiety, we're going to answer the why right here god created us in a perfect world do you know we were watching animal show last night i love animal shows and they were looking at the galapagos island have you seen those big iguanas that they're called seagoing they're ugly as they can be but they're about the only thing that lives on this island And, and so the adults climb over the rocks and they go to the sand and they lay their eggs and after these eggs hatch these little baby guns are so cute one thing we've learned about here y'all got some lizards Right, we've caught like 30 chameleons and 30, what are those, geckos? Somebody mentioned the other night, you told me about those geckos. We went out, out there, they're everywhere. Our house is alive, day and night. It's awesome. But these little iguanas would stick their head up out of the sand. And they look around. Because instinctively they knew there's a whole bunch of snakes. But that little iguana, when he stuck his head up, oh, that's so cute. I want one. I love animals. I want one. Well, he come out of there, and as soon as he come out of that hole, boom, to the sea. Because if he didn't move fast enough, the snakes would get him. Now, I'm not talking about one. It was gross to watch. 
these snakes come out of everywhere to destroy him. Folks, when we come into this world, we have the image of God and we know there's an adversary. And we catch ourselves running so hard for a destination of safety. And it's not the destination of safety that he has already provided. So God, God did all of this so you would have the hope and the peace. But that hope and that peace, that clarity and that purpose comes with surrender. That God can and will fix it. I'm going to close a little story about Anna. She's my princess, and you know dads just want to make it right. Well, my grandma had got her a bunch of this really fancy doll furniture. You know, the stuff that's made out of real wood and real porcelain, and, and uh, my grandma just spoils them, and um, ah, I love it. Well, grandma got this, and I was like, Grandma, this is kind of really nice stuff. Do you really want her to play with it? She goes, Eric, you better let her play with it. I'm like, okay. Well, Anna was playing with it for a little while, and, and at first it filled the whole dollhouse, and I'd walk by her, her room, and this, it was not a little dollhouse, big dollhouse, and I noticed some of the stuff was missing. I, oh, well, you know, it's probably in the closet or something. Well, Anna one day brought me a little chair, and she had broke the leg off of it, and Anna was really, ups, really cautious, afraid I was going to be upset. Well, she brought me that little leg, and she goes, Dad, do you think you can fix this? I looked at, well, sure, baby girl, let's get some, let's get some super glue. So we put some super glue, and Dad fixed it. And I was like, let's just let it dry for about 30 seconds. We blew on it a little bit, and it's good as new. And a smile. She was so happy. Dad was feeling pretty good, too. Well, then Anna ran off, and she brought me back bed. Okay, well, she had broke off one of the, you know, posts on it. So I was like, hey, we'll just fix it with super glue, okay. Off she went, all happy, and I felt like I'd saved the world, right? Then she brought me a bathtub. <laughs> and I said, baby girl, where's all this coming from? In here. So I went in, in her room, and she had a box full of broken furniture. <laughs> and I said, well, baby girl, why have you been hiding this? And she said, because I was afraid you'd be upset. And I didn't know if you could fix it. Hmm. We all got boxes of broken furniture, don't we? And Jesus says to taste and see that he is good. So for God to love me, for me to, well, God already loves me, for me to feel God's love, it means I've got to go back and I've got to get that box of broken furniture, the secret sins, the, the things that bring guilt and shame in my life. I've got to go get that box that I've been hiding from everyone. Because if, if someone knew I messed things up or that I was a part of breaking something, what would they think of me? They would know that my life isn't perfect. And what if God, what if God can't fix it? What if he gets angry with me? Well, I was counseling a couple not too long ago that had aborted a child as a teenager. And, uh, well, they were t- it was a teenage pregnancy. The parents wanted to abort the child, and they did. And they got married around the early 30s after they graduated college, and they decided after that abortion they would never have ex- you know, extramarital sex anymore, more immorality. 
And so they, they were pure until they were married, and then they couldn't conceive. And they said, Eric, is God punishing us? Hmm. Well, there was a point in my life I might have said yes. But that's not how God works, and that's not how forgiveness works. God wasn't punishing them, but what they were doing was carrying a box of broken furniture. Friend, if you don't feel God's love, be honest with him. His love doesn't change. Anna was so afraid that dad would be so disappointed that he wouldn't fix it. No, no, here's the deal. I already know she's going to mess up. I already know my boys are going to mess up. For God so loved the world. Let me close with this. You know, he's coming to redeem us, right? The the rapture. But he's not just coming to redeem us. He's coming to redeem all of creation. This is the beautiful part. It says in Romans 8 and 22. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And that now is this moment. That now is now this moment. That every moment, all of creation, that little baby iguana, there's no way. It was just brutal to see what the serpent do. And it's brutal to see what the serpent does to God's people too. You can hide it, or you can bring it to Jesus. Friend, for God loved the world in this way. He gave the most valuable thing he had for you. All you've got to do is bring your brokenness and trust Him. Lord, we want to thank You for this morning and the time that we've had together, and I pray that it's been encouraging and inspirational to Your people. Lord, Your Word is true and it does convict, but may it never be my words. Anytime we come together and study Your Word, it should bring hope and peace and clarity, not shame. Shame is of the devil, Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that each of our lives, is, as we deal with the broken world and we say we're ready for your return, but are we really? Are we really ready for you to split that eastern sky and for us to give an account for where we're at with you? I would imagine most of us would say there's been a point that we were closer with the Lord than we are right now. I wonder why we do that. I wonder why I've done it. It's not that hard, Lord. Life is, is, is lonely. Life can be painful. But we choose to carry the broken box or we leave it at the altar. You've already forgiven I pray that we as your people will seek and pursue your person. And it is in the name of that precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ, are about Bayou Vista, including contact info. 
go to the website, www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.